Welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, welcome back. We're glad to have you. Um, as always, we're going to start. Do you want to do an update? update? Yeah, we'll start with an update. Okay. Ella was home last weekend. And uh, I don't know if people follow our personal, like our family Instagram account page, but when Ella and I get together, we do bougie things together. We get our nails done. We go to brunch. We went up to Scottsdale to Kirland Commons, which is like this high-end, I don't know, shopping center that valet parks your cars and like tried on clothes, which is funny if you know either Ella or I in person, because we are not bougie people in real life. It's only when we're together. Yes. And it's just the two of us. It's not like, you know, I'm not bougie with other friends. I'm just bougie with Ella. But like, if you use one word to maybe describe Ella in real life, it would probably be thrifty. You know? Yeah. She's like super good with her budget, really disciplined, really hard worker, second hands, almost everything. You know, she's thrifty. And I feel like a word to describe me is practical. Yeah. So for sure. even like we redid the front room and got new furniture and I waited nine months after having the couch picked out until it went on sale before I would buy it. So <laughs> that's why it makes no sense we get together and, and we're just so bougie. So anyway, so in some ways, enjoyed a bougie weekend together. It's helpful that Ella moved out. <laughs> that's very, right. It's very expensive to have you two together. She's, she's the only one that I ever, uh, I ever spend frivolous things in my budget for. We're just kidding Ella in case you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Come back. <laughs> So yes, that was a lot of fun having her, and she's back in her element, and we're back in we're, our empty nest. We are. Back to our lives. But you have been looking at some memes. Of course, as always, because this is how I go to bed at night and pretend like all the problems in the world are solved, and look <laughs> at funny memes and laugh, and then my brain turns off enough that I can go to sleep. That is the purpose of memes. Yes. That is why God gave them to us. <laughs> so, so. Yes, that happens in bed. I'm trying to go to sleep. <laughs> And she starts laughing and then tells me or makes me look at me. Like, hey, hey, babe, hey. You're crying like, my eyes open. For crying out loud, just <laughs> let me sleep in peace, woman. I'm like, that cat is really funny. You're right. <laughs> I know. It goes on and on. But it's the best part of the night, really. Yes. So the meme for the week is another one from Bipolar to Life. We love her. And uh, it says, me acting all types of grandiose when I'm manic. Life didn't give me lemons. I gave lemons life, <laughs> which if you've ever been around a manic person before, truth, truth. <laughs> which we are going to have an episode on mania for yeah, sure. Yeah, we are. Um, Cause it, <clears throat> it is an interesting thing and a lot of people struggle with it. So, okay. Today we are going to talk about misconceptions um, about mental illness and the idea came up for this. I was looking online, and there were a couple of different websites that had misconceptions about mental illness. So one of them was St. Lucie Hospital in Florida, a mental health hospital. And the other one is NAMI, the National Alliance Mental Illness. Mm -hmm. And they had great suggestions, great ideas, and so we thought we'd just cover a few of those today. Yeah. Because there are a lot of misconceptions, and part of that is the problem is people don't necessarily understand what it is and what it isn't, and 
then there's assumptions made that sometimes make it difficult to get treatment and offer help and things like that. So the first one is the concept that you're either fine or you're totally insane. Yeah. So if you're not totally insane, then you should be fine. Yeah. Believe it or not, there is a continuum of the mental health spectrum. This kind of reminds me when uh, the kids were little and they would get hurt. Like I'm a little bit no nonsense. I grew up with all brothers and did, I mean, we kind of talked about it. I did competitive sports. And so like, there's no crying, right? There's no crying. You're fine. Get up, dust yourself off, move on. And so when the kids would get hurt growing up, I would always say, are you going to die? Then you're fine. And one time Max is like, mom, just because I'm not going to die doesn't mean I'm fine. I'm like, ooh, touche, kid. The thing was, he was like 14 years old when he said this. I'm like, dang it. I'm pretty sure I've scarred them all for life by saying that. Yeah, competitive sports isn't typically the arena for compassion and understanding. It is not. No. Not helpful. The thing is, like, anytime you experience symptoms, it's always on a spectrum. Like, everybody at some point feels low energy. Everybody at some point feels some type of depression or excitement or happiness or discouragement or anxiety even. Like, all of these things are normal feelings. And you you feel them in a different different intensities and different ranges. And the only thing that makes these feelings problematic and into the mental illness arena is when they interfere with your ability to live day-to-day -day life. So that's really when a diagnosis for mental illness comes along. But there's a lot of people that feel these things, you know, extremely and a lot that, that don't interfere with their ability to live day-to-day -day life, but there's those feelings and symptoms are still there. Like my dad does something super funny. And he's done this ever since I was a little kid. We'll be sitting down and he'll say, okay, look at the room across there. Do you see that tiny little piece of lint? Go pick it up. And like my whole childhood, everybody did this. <laughs> and one time we were doing a Christmas present for my parents and the kids were younger. And so we had asked them, we were framing quotes. <clears throat> I'm like, okay, what's your favorite thing that you like about grandpa and grandma? And one of the things that Max said was, I love that grandpa can see tiny things on the floor and makes me pick them up. <laughs> I mean, this has been going on for years, so it's a very particular thing, but my dad is not OCD, but people with OCD sometimes have things like that, but you know, it's a continuum. Just because you feel these things doesn't mean you have mental illness, but it's everything is along a continuum. So it's not just you're fine or you're insane. That's a misconception for sure. And I think the problem with that myth is that people will say you look fine. So it must not be that bad. So yeah. they're expecting that if you're really struggling with mental illness, you're going to look like you're going to look wreck. like it. Yeah. Like one of the I also follow serious uh, mental illness accounts as long as, as well as the funny ones. And one of the serious ones said, you know, people fake looking OK. People don't fake depression. So like that's one of the things I'm I'm glad that. I look fine. I'm trying real hard to make it look that way. You know what I mean? But you can't see how yeah. people are feeling. Well, and, and don't make people just, force it look yeah. terrible so that you'll pay attention. <laughs> don't make them justify needing, needing help or assistance or. Yes. Yeah. So that's misconception. Number one, number two, mental health is not the same as mental strength. I thought that was an interesting one that, um, that people with mental illness can actually be mentally tough or mentally strong. Yeah. And frankly, I would argue you have to be even more mentally strong because this is a weight that never goes away. It's there all day, every day. I mean, it kind of feels like 
know, when you're running, it's easy to run a sprint. I can run real fast for a short amount of time, but like the distance running or running forever marathons, like that's a whole different ball game. Right. And I kind of feel like mental illness and serious mental health issues are kind of like that. Anybody can carry a heavy weight for a short period of time, but people who deal with mental illness every day have to carry this heavy weight all day, every day, hopefully not forever. And hopefully we can get things to make the weight feel lighter, but it's there all the time. Yeah. No, it kind of reminds me, little known fact, uh, Mikkel loves Survivor, the TV show. <laughs> I am a sucker for it. I get so excited. She loves Survivor. All day Wednesday, I'm like, guess what tonight is? Are you going to be home on time? <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember watching some of these and they have these endurance challenges, you know, and you've got these really strong guys and you're like, they're going to crush this. And actually somebody who you wouldn't maybe look at and say, man, they they're are a physical threat. They're a physical threat. They end up winning. I've always been baffled by that, how these, you know, physical specimens really, it's a different type of strength, I guess, Yeah, is what you're talking about. And so yeah. I, I would say that with, with mental illness is definitely uh, the, the mental strength that goes unnoticed. I feel like the key to winning those challenges is the same key to be able to get through mental illness. And for me, it's the ability to really put your head down and like not even look up above you, yeah. not, not even look in front of you, right? I remember people probably don't know this about me, but I also love tools and like putting things together. And IKEA furniture is my favorite. So I it's got the what, like 7,500 page booklets, right? To, to put these furniture pieces together. And my friend, uh, she called me up one time and asked me if I could come over because her husband had like spent all day trying to put this dresser together and it was all cockeyed and the drawers wouldn't close and it was like cussing and swearing, you know, he had, had it. <laughs> we won't name him on the podcast. We won't name names, but you know who you are. <laughs> anyway, she called me over and asked if I would come help. So I went over and like spent, I don't know, what he had just tightened too many screws without putting other things together. That's the key. If you're wondering the secret, that's the secret to IKEA furniture. But anyway, I fixed it in like, you know, half hour, hour, whatever. And he's like, what? How did you even do that? What the heck? So then his sister called him later, like a while later and asked him to help her put a dresser together. And he's like, absolutely not. Call Mikkel. She She'll go over. She's the one who's going to do it for you. But I told her, like, when we were looking at it, she's like, oh, my gosh, this is so big. It's so exhausting. I don't even know how we're going to do it. And the key is, like, you can't look pages ahead, Kathy. You can only look at one page at a time. You can't look at the other 90 pages. Only turn one page at a time and do whatever it says on the one page. That's all you got to do. But that's the same thing with, like, dealing with getting through mental illness and the same thing, like, in the survivor challenges. You can't think about, this might be for an hour and a half because you're going to die. But you yeah. can just think, I can do this for five more seconds. Yeah. I can do this for five more seconds. And then pretty soon, your five seconds and five seconds have added up. And ta-da, you have the immunity necklace. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, mental toughness is not the same as mental illness or mental strength and mental toughness. Or Number three, uh, myth, people with mental illness are violent. So that, that was an interesting one. I, I guess... It might come from the news. I mean, if yeah. you think about almost every news story that involves mental illness um, seems to be about violence. Yeah. I was looking at the statistics when we were researching all of this, and, and it said that 
only 5% of people who experience mental illness have ever had a violent episode. And of those, it's a short amount that's, you know, escalated serious violence. And, but they're more likely to be victims of violence if you experience mental illness. But another thing I thought was very interesting that I read was without exception, almost those people who were very violent uh, with mental illness were ones who were also abusing substances. I think trying to self-medicate to feel better because they weren't getting proper treatment. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of uh, our movie, uh, Words on Bathroom Walls. Oh, yeah. Remember that part where the, was it a stepdad? Yeah. The stepdad uh, wanted to remove all the knives from the house because he was, they thought that he might. He was going to be violent. He's going to be violent. You know, it was very <laughs> offensive to him. It's very condescending. Very condescending. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember that thinking how horrible that must feel, must feel to have people treat you like that and assume that you're going to be violent. Yeah. So that is a myth. Yes. Not true. Wondering. Not true. Number four, uh, myth, uh, mentally ill people cannot handle everyday responsibilities. Sometimes we choose not to do them, <laughs> which is different. like cooking and cleaning and having pajama days, showering, <laughs> but it is entirely my choice. If I wanted to, I could, I just choose not to. <laughs> it's a big difference. So, you know, uh, on this website, when we were looking at it, one of the things they were talking about is um, having a job. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some people think, well, you can't have a job. If, if you have a mental illness diagnosis and um, what would you say about that? Well, I remember the last conference that I did workshops at, it was right before COVID hit. And in the workshop, we were talking about like working in an environment that works for you. That's the key to it. Like it may be true that people with mental illness cannot work any and all jobs, or but there are certain jobs, or there are certain jobs that aren't that conducive, but but they can absolutely work. And this woman was really upset. She's like, I, she was just going through a divorce and her ex-husband had, you know, untreated mental illness and wasn't able to work. And like, yeah, when it's untreated, it's, it's going to disrupt your life, but you just have to find a situation that will work for you. And I remember actually being really concerned about this when Sam was kind of in the middle of it, you know, and he was sleeping 15, 20 hours a day. And like, he had dropped out of school and like we legitimately did not know if he was going to be okay or if he was like even gonna be able to work. Yeah. Even going to be able to have any type of a life. We didn't know. And, you know, little by little, it took a lot of patience and it took a lot of time and it took a lot of working on treatment. And, but Sam started off with a job that spraying pest control. So he put earphones in all day and didn't have to interact with people. And he would work 12 hour days, like six days a week. He worked like 70 hours a week and yeah. he did it for a year and won all sorts of company awards for his great job. And, you know, there we were just a year sooner wondering if he would even be able to hold down a part-time job. We didn't even know, but he would not have been able to be in like a, a crazy restaurant or environment where there's lots of noise and lots of music and a lot of chaos. Like he wouldn't have been able to be successful in an environment like that. Yeah. So you just have to figure out what, types of things create an environment that you can comfortably work in and you're going to have to steer and find jobs in those areas. Well, there could be times, certain times before, you know, you're stable that you can't work. I mean, Sam went through a period where yeah, he just he couldn't. Yeah. But the thing is, 
once you've got that figured out, we thought that was going to be the rest of his life. And it was, and it was yeah, a very it was a short, very short period time, time period. But yes, during that time period, it was probably impossible. But until you get stabilized, that's yeah, that's what's so important about getting treatment and getting help, and not just hoping you feel better tomorrow. That's that's not a treatment plan. You can't just you know. You can't just keep doing the same things and hoping that you feel differently. You've got to get a real treatment plan in place with real tools to help you get better with medication and doctors and counseling. And I mean, medication, that to me is the big one, medication. Yeah. But. yeah. Okay, number five, the myth, you can prevent mental illness. Well, and that is exactly what a lot of people think. Like when you tell them you have a mental illness, they think, oh, you must not have been mentally strong. Like, no, 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 no. Those two things don't equate. Mental illness is biological and environmental. Like when all of the worst combinations come together, you first have to have the genetic predisposition for it. But just because somebody has the genes for it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to manifest maybe ever in their lifetime. But under the right circumstances and environment, whether it's pressure or lack of sleep or, you know, the last year, a global pandemic, so many different things can create the environment where the the symptoms start to manifest and it becomes something that you have to treat. I think one of the dangers in believing that myth is that you can then assign, you know, you look for what caused this. Whose fault is it? Yeah. <laughs> what did I do wrong? You know, what did they do wrong? What you're you're trying to find some causal connection, yeah. thinking that it could have been prevented, and it's kind of a waste of time to try to figure out whose fault or what caused it. Well, and like sometimes there is an exacerbating circumstance that does you know cause it to flare up or manifest your initial symptoms, but sometimes there's not. Sometimes it just you know, it's the time of life and it just happens. Like it typically happens to teenagers or young adults. And sometimes it just happens. So like you said, it is a waste of time to be like, well, why, why do you have this? Well, what do you think happened? What did you do wrong? You know, did your parents feed you bottles? Did they let you eat sugar? (laughs) (laughs) You know, whatever. (laughs) And everybody has their ideas. Right. Everybody has their own opinions. If only you would have done X, you wouldn't wouldn't be experiencing mental illness and it's just not true yep you know something interesting that they did say on the website though was that you can prepare yourself to handle it yeah Um, you might not be able to prevent it but you can prepare yourself so that uh you are able to handle it that's through diet and exercise and sleep and all of those things so there are things that you can do to make you more able to shoulder um the challenge when it comes but preventing it, it's not going to stop it from coming though. Right. Yeah. That doesn't just, if you eat right and sleep and exercise, that does not mean that you're staving off mental illness. No, they're good, healthy habits and I recommend them to everyone, but it's not going to prevent people from from getting mental illness. Number six, our final uh, myth comes from the NAMI website and it is psychiatric medication is harmful or bad. And that's what a lot of people believe. And according to NAMI, this is a myth and it is untrue. What they mentioned on the website was people refer to them as happy pills or kind of the easy way out. That is a frustrating thing to me. As Ella says, I get triggered. I get triggered when people say that. (laughs) Like, and I've said it, you know, in many podcast episodes, but 
Medication provides, like lifts the weight, maybe 50%. The other 50% is through a lot of work and life management. Like medication doesn't fix mental illness, but you cannot manage mental illness without medication. Yeah. You know, understand the distinction between the two, but taking medication is not the easy way out. It's not a happy pill. It doesn't like that's a frustrating thing to me. Yeah. We were talking about this before, but some people get these really debilitating headaches. Mm-hmm. And so they take they have medication. And when that headache is intense, they can't function. Yeah. And and so they take medication. It relieves the headache. It doesn't mean the pill solves all their problems and make their makes their life super easy it yeah. just means that they can function like everybody else but there are people i mean i've had people talk to me you know that are so anti-medication which is fine you can think that yeah. but they're like even if i had a headache i would never never take a pill i'm like why you would sit in bed with a splitting headache all day long and not be able to function why like yeah. isn't it worse for your body and your mind to be in that situation than it is to like take an anti-headache pill or an Excedrin or something to alleviate the pain so that you can go about your day. I just don't follow all of the logic with it, but it's probably because I feel the way I do. Like it changed my life so much when I started taking the correct medications that like all of those things, even if I had any of them, they're, they're long gone now because I've seen in my own life how much it helps me. Yeah. Well, and with the scientific advancements, I feel like these are, you know, the purpose of them is to help us have a higher quality of life. Right. You know, whatever medication it is. I mean, there's so many medications. I mean, you can just watch nighttime TV or whatever, and you're just bombarded with every type of medication. But the reason is, is people have a low quality of life when they struggle with certain things. I mean, it really is difficult. and The fact that we have something that can raise your quality of life. You know, I understand if you were born 200 years ago and you didn't have any options. That's just your quality of life, you know, and you got to deal with it. But here, you know, why pretend like we're 200 years ago and pretend like we don't have this help? You know what else that I hear quite a bit enough that I feel like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Don't believe it. It's false. But people who are on medication are kind of like, okay, I'm doing good now. So my whole goal is to get back off it. Yeah. Why? Why? If you're doing good and feeling good and you have a high quality of life, do you think it's better for you to not be on it? Do you think that you're a stronger person? Like, what are all these beliefs going into you thinking it's better to manage mental illness without medication? Like, that's just a fallacy. Well, hopefully some of these misconceptions can be addressed. There are many, many, many more. Uh, We just hit on some of our favorites that seem to come up a lot. Anyway, we're so glad that you all are here today. Thank you for being here. If you like this podcast, rate it and share it with a friend. If you would like to learn more about managing mental illness in your own life, you can get my book, Thriving with Mental Illness, on Amazon. And if you have questions or topics that you'd like to see covered, you can submit them on Instagram at Thriving with Mental Illness. Remember, there are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. We'll see you next time. See you next time.